0: Are listening live to the program? Your teams, your town, your program.
1: Inside Dickinson, working the block area, hooks a pass out to Harris. Now he comes to set a ball screen
2: on oh, a lob. KJ a slam. One no set him up, and so did Big Hunt. And KJ ignites the field house crowd. Here's a lob from sixty feet. One. see all year
3: we played well we shared it uh, I thought the ball moved the the, the uh, shot distribution was very equal especially the first half I think everybody took between four and seven shots and makes you hard to guard when you're balanced
2: and, and we were certainly that tonight
3: first of all, I want to thank our fans uh, they were incredible tonight um, they they brought energy they gave us a chance um, apologize that I didn't have our guys ready. To play. This is not on them. This is on me. And uh, we will do a
4: better job. And now, eagerly awaiting the
0: WTF Classic tonight, Soren Petro. I love it. Uh, right you are, Kay. That's what you've dubbed it. Let's be clear. I have. That's what you've dubbed it between mm-hmm. Mizzou and Arkansas.
4: Yep. I had different uh, things I call it the what the hell happened to our season? What are we doing here? How about, how about just the WTF Classic? Forty minutes of what? You know, it's, it's, <laughs> what the? I used to joke when, when uh, after Mike Anderson left, he, he called it forty minutes of hell, and suddenly it was forty minutes of what the hell, right? So that's kind of what uh, tonight might be.
0: Uh, don't you think the ratings are going
4: to be through the roof? Oh yeah, I think I think people will be. I mean, lining up to get out of that place. <sighs> Anyone who's in there. They learn that that game is being played. They will immediately well, walk over to Harpo's.
0: We, we we we've got the other two that played last night <laughs> yes, that we can yeah. talk about. Them. Yeah, have, that's what that the was, what was in, the, in the... Um, KU uh, getting the job done last night. K State not so much. Um, let's start with college basketball. Well, you can grab a phone line right now nine one three three eight ten eight ten. Happy to talk Chiefs. I know a lot of people are, sure. but uh, you know we don't have a game this weekend. So we'll we'll touch on a little bit here on on the college basketball. I do feel bad that we just the Chiefs just absolutely cannibalize Mm -hmm. everything going on around them uh, because of how big they've become. So, but I do want to talk some college basketball. They are a monolith. K State, uh, Jerome Tang, tough week.
4: Yeah, that's hard to have a tough season seven days than that. Yeah, and it really kind of has started from from the get go.
0: I mean, from what was almost as high as you can get, an uh, Elite Eight run uh, last year in your first year. And then to come back, have some pretty good expectations that you're going to be a pretty good ball club, lose one of your best players, and end up, based upon credible reporters reporting, sideways with the president of the university, come out and make an apology that doesn't really. Give any kind of solidarity that we all feel like felt like his arm was being twisted into going out and making said apology. You know, like right after he got his raise. Mm -hmm. Since then, all downhill. Tomlin gets into trouble. Then Tomlin has to be cut from the team. Then there's the drama with the president, and then the season got going. They lost immediately to a USC team. You're like, eh, you know, it's USC. They're Uh, they're not good. Dudes. They're not good. Yeah. It turns out. No, yeah, and now you've had a Lost week to a ranked Miami team who's now not that up good. Up and down, yeah, been spotty. They're out of the polls, and I think even out of the bracketology right now. I don't think they're in the field yeah. right now. Neither is USC. So um, their resume is not looking that good. And they went into a stretch of three games against ranked opponents. They play a great game with Iowa State. Great game. And that ends with a bizarre exchange between Jerome Tang and T.J. Otzelberger, the coach at Iowa State, comes out that K-State is alleging that Iowa State was trying to film their huddle. T.J. Otzelberger vehemently denies that. Then you go and take a pummeling at the hands of Houston, and this was the game that you come back and even though Oklahoma's ranked, you're favored by two and a half points. Well,
4: and after after that game, I guess it was leading into this game. I didn't want to jump the gun, but yeah. there was a stop in between that game and this one, and that was Tuesday when he let off the his weekly press conference by apologizing again for commenting about the officiating during the post game show from the Houston loss, and then last night.
0: So you know we're talking about this, and for the WTF. Bowl, or mm-hmm. what are you calling it Classic. Again? The WTF yeah, Classic. Basketball games are always the classic. It's a classic, yeah. Coming your way uh, tonight with Mizzou <laughs> and Arkansas. One of the things we were looking at is how it's kind of been, because Arkansas is having such struggles, diminishing returns for Eric Musselman. You know, he hit the ground running in a COVID year. They, they had a rough first year. But then the next year, he's a three seed. He's a four seed. Last year, they were an eight or nine. And, but they made it to the Elite Eight, mm-hmm. made a great run. And now this year, just one win in conference. So even though they made that great run in the tournament last year, the regular season has been getting worse. Yeah, they were eight At, and 10 in the big, in the SEC last year. So. Yeah, they've been getting worse as time has gone along. And so we wondered aloud, well, is this the new order? Dennis Gates had a great first year. Now he's had a really bad next year. Jerome Tang is not having a really bad second year, but. When you don't get this win against Oklahoma, which is the one of the three since it was at home mm-hmm. that we thought you could get, we mentioned we thought it was important to come back and at least play well. If you don't get the win, Ken Palm predicted a, a one point loss to Oklahoma. The odds makers had you two and a half point favorites, which worked really well when they were favored against Baylor. Same kind of situation, yeah. And you just come and lay an egg. That's a that's it's been a rough. Second season. The honeymoon was pretty sweet. The beach is nice. Ain't tired of her crap yet. <laughs> she ain't tired of your crap yet. Well, year and, two, somebody needs to
4: pick up their damn socks. And he was on a glide path from the get-go. He nails the, the introductory press conference. He's winning from the outset. He beats Kansas. He sails into the NCE tournament. As a three gets to the elite eight, it's fantastic. There is no problems. Year two, different. Yeah, for him and, and Dennis Gates, first twenty-five win season on a for a first-year coach. He and Tang were the only two that did it last year, and they've sailed into some issues. And it's. Uh, It's an interesting
0: dynamic. We looked up Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl hit the ground right away at Auburn. Got them turned around in like year two. And you're like, oh, my God, Auburn's going to be like a top ten team every year. He's been up and down. Mm -hmm. Up and down. And so I'm wondering if the new transfer rules, if NIL, when you come in as the new coach, because, you know, again, and Dennis Gates, the biggest example here locally, when you come in as a coach and like everybody knows, well, I'm going to be his guy. Anybody who sticks around ain't his guy. So they got all the minutes. They got 200 full minutes to hand out because ain't anybody his guy. And so that's your biggest recruiting pop. Then you head back out on the road and you start telling a kid, hey, come come be a part of this. Well, you already got a guy. Yeah, but you, you're you good. Yeah, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Over here, this guy's new over here. I, I'm his guy. Like, not these, you know, three or four Punks that hung around. I'm his guy, and so I don't know if we're seeing, or or if just it, it's the coaches. The other theory we floated, you know, a couple of weeks ago, is our coaches. Like, yes, they embrace the portal when they need it, but really, they all still would. They secretly yearn to go back to the old days of recruiting and just recruiting high school kids and transfers kind of being an anomaly. And let's build with high school kids. We want to build this program our way. And so what is the talent faucet they turn off themselves because they don't want to go through rebuilding a whole team. And it's still – they did it because they had to. Survival mode, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the alive, the book alive. I mean, I don't want to eat people, but I don't want to die. (laughs) So while we're trapped here in the mountains, I'm going to make an exception. You know, I don't want to be in the transfer portal, but I'm not freezing to death in my first year of the job. So let's go get them. And then, okay, now I got this. And then they're losing kids and they're looking around. It's like, what? And that was I mean, Dennis Gates was certainly
4: known as a guy who recruited it was a, a high school talent recruit guy and he did that pretty quickly here but the problem is it, it, it's one thing nowadays you go out and you recruit a great high school class they, they're they not ready to play yet he this this great class he's got there they're not even ready to be at the school yet they're still in school and it's different to recruit a lot of talent of people who were already all, all over the place and he had the, the the fortune of having an nba first round pick Inherited, He brought a guy with him uh, the, in, in Des Moines Hodge, but he dove into the portal this year, and, and really, he, Tamar Bates has finally started playing. He looks like the star they hoped he would be, but nobody else is. They got a 7'5 guy who can't rebound. That's a problem.
0: They have, like... I Half a, a, a dozen issues. seven yeah. footers. I Aiden, mean, nobody Aiden. looks better cheering from the bench than Mizzou. And, and the the flaw of well, we got we got a great class. Which, by in. the way, is is a Hamilton philosophy. Florida State is always one of the tallest teams mm-hmm. in college basketball. Like, when in doubt, take the tallest kid. Yeah. Seems to be their mo for going out and, and getting talent. And the flaw in banking on
4: uh, high school players is that he got one of the best high school players in the in the country, and then certainly in the area. And Aiden Shaw, and he has, just hasn't developed. He's in his second year, and he's really no better now than he was at the beginning of last year so the result, he and Eric Musselman will play a game tonight in which they have combined for one conference win in 14 tries, and that was a two-point win by Arkansas over a middling A&M team a couple weeks ago.
0: Uh, Nobody in Columbia or Manhattan are going to cast aside uh, Dennis Gates or Jerome Tang. Certainly not Jerome Tang. Dennis Gates is having a bad year. I mean, he he really could use a win because it's, you know, it'll almost be like, okay, Year one, you you all the all the cred you built in year one is it could be completely if it's destroyed. Going to go this bad, you're going to be like, I mean, you could be. All,
4: He's he'd be behind where he was at the beginning of last year if this year continues the way it has gone. I yes, think.
0: yes, because Conzo Martin because, because was, the mess
4: you inherit was somebody else's. This right. is your
0: own. Yeah, you created this mess. So yeah, I I think it is. It's kind of interesting what's going on right now. And Jerome Tang, I appreciate him saying, hey, this one's on me. Uh, I think that's what you need to do mm-hmm. as a as a coach, and so he took the, the full blame, and that's great. But and and obviously, I think he's probably sitting there going, "Wow, look real different if I had Tomlin," for sure. And and I think that's true, and I think you've got to keep that in mind if you're a K State fan and how you evaluate him. But um, I'm starting to think the little run of success, you know, the Baylor game. It's gonna be really good that you got that, but Central Florida, West Virginia, you know, playing tough against Texas Tech but losing, then beating Baylor and Oklahoma State. Central Florida, West Virginia, Oklahoma State figure to be the three worst teams in this league. Yeah. And so it seems to be very schedule driven when you played well against Iowa State, but let's be clear, in the last two minutes you did then end up losing by eleven. Yeah. And then you know, and I don't the tournament the Selection committee is not going to go watch the game and be like, yeah. I mean, they'll do somewhat of a deep dive, but it's still going to be an eleven point loss to Iowa State, yeah. twenty two point loss to Houston, and a twenty point loss to Oklahoma. You better get right against Oklahoma
4: State. They didn't lose a, one game by twenty last year, and Bruce Weber only lost one game by twenty in his final season uh, two years ago. He did lose a boatload of them the year before that when they went four and fourteen. They lost like six or seven, including three in a row. Uh, but this is this is something that they haven't approached the last three seasons, even in the uh, the dying year of, of, of the Weber administration. And at Oklahoma State, that's you. Then you got Kansas at home. That's got to be a W, yeah. Or else your four game skid going into playing the, the Jayhawks at home or not, man. That's a rough batch. Yeah. I don't think he felt like he'd have a, a must win game at Oklahoma State on on um, February third when the season began.
0: No, um, KU has Houston, mm-hmm. and this is their chance to you know, and that's on Saturday. Uh, they've got Houston on Saturday. They get right in a big way against Oklahoma State. But if they're going to lay claim to a conference championship, you can't go two games down to Houston. Nope. So they have a giant game. So in route, no look ahead, just simply handling business against Oklahoma State. Forced to use their bench. Um, you know, I I, I I don't think that uh, McCullough is going to miss too much based upon the comments we heard from Bill Self. For the, the bone bruise uh, ended up being the reason why he didn't play. Maybe this will be a good thing. They got some. Production out of their bench, just a little bit at least. Timberlake, seven points. Um, you know, I think that's at least a little bit of a positive. A Marco Jackson gets to double digits, stepping into the starting lineup. Maybe this will begin to, to form a bench for them, but, you know, they were the opponent you had to play that night. You did it without one of your veteran leaders. Uh, yeah. Nice job. You, you know, yeah, you, there were no problems. When you but there's the spread... not a lot to celebrate no. here other than. Timberlake and Jackson managed yeah. to put the ball in the hole. When you cover the spread in the first half, you've done your job mm-hmm. that night. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, for Kansas, this needs to be the start uh, of something better. By the way, Jackson was four for eight from the field. Timberlake was still two for eight. That mm-hmm. was shot volume on a night when everyone got him a little He
4: made shots. He didn't. Really. They yeah. set him. <clears throat>
5: excuse me. They set him up really well with multiple corner. I mean, there were a lot of plays seemingly run designed for him that set him up with a, a corner three and that's where most of his action came from and only two of them fell but he missed from the same spot he was canning them so you know they 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 set a lot up for him even and and he still he came away with six which isn't you get six out of him but you don't want it on eight shots
0: they won on the boards. That's important. They mm-hmm. haven't been doing that. And they, you know, they better win on the boards against that team. But yeah, I
5: was going to say, it. it by
0: 10. 10%. There's nothing to knock about the game that Kansas played. Yeah. Nothing. Right. Yeah. There's just nothing to really get too excited about because of the caliber of opponent.
5: And they still had moments where it was just like, even on the boards. I know they won on the boards, but there's still moments, multiple moments, where I saw Hunter Dickinson standing there ready for a rebound and an Oklahoma State dude just blew right past him and grabbed it in front of him. Yeah. And I mean, Houston is going to get gobs of extra possessions. KU better shoot well Saturday because Houston's going to get a ton of extra possessions because they can turn you over and they can rebound. Now, the turnover part, KU's a really good passing team, so maybe they can protect the ball. They're Houston's going to get a lot of extra possessions because they're, going to, they're so good at rebounding, and that's exactly what Kansas is not good at. Uh, 22
0: assists pretty good day.
5: Everybody on that team could pass. Yeah, at the, least
0: as far as the, the regular players. Which is a reason for optimism. You know, to, to see where it could go. But, yeah. Well, uh, so, a big game for Kansas now. You know, they didn't survive. They thrived. Thrive in advance. And now a big game against Houston. But, I don't know. What do you, what do you think K-State's going to finish?
4: <sighs> Look Back again at that, at that run here. I'm going to tell you, I uh, know. Okay, my gosh, um, I still think they can find nine and nine, but they really can't afford to to not win games they're supposed to win. Um, I, I think a win Saturday, I think that, puts them to five and four. Probably a loss to Kansas. So if you're five and five, you had to bring it. BYU, I'm not completely sold on. Um, I'll, I'll I'll say they I'll say they they find enough to get to get to nine and nine, but I can see eight and ten.
0: I don't I don't see nine and nine. I don't see it, and I think this is looking like an nit year for, for K State, which may not be a bad thing. I yeah. mean, because you like I said, then you go out and all the minutes are available. Who wants to come join us?
4: Yeah, yeah. The one the one benefit to being in that spot is that you've got jobs.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right, we want to start talking about uh, kind of breaking down how this game might be played, how they might defend, how they might attack uh, with the 49 ers nine one three three eight ten eight ten. Uh Phone line is open. We'll talk some college basketball with you. We say it all the time. Royals, Chiefs, Sporting, K-State, KU, Missouri, always a topic here in the program. Phone lines are open, Nine one three You're in the program. Taking your phone calls at nine one three three eight ten eight ten. Did he just turn that on? I think so.
4: He just sat down. He sat down while you started talking, and he thought, "Let me wait till he finishes, then I hit the mic." He didn't want to join you mid sentence.
5: I didn't. Re- no, I I hit the button as soon as you. Shall we go back to the? You just of off goodies. No. End of the two o'clock no. hour Monday. No. So I believe you took forty seconds of music before you started <laughs> talking. Song. Something
0: was going on. It's a good song. <laughs> I don't remember what the time. hell it was. good tune. Uh, 913-3810-810, the uh, phone number, 913-3810-810. Uh, take your phone calls here in the uh, program. Kansas City Chiefs, uh, back in the uh, Super Bowl. It in all the papers. Yeah, maybe you read about it. Uh, maybe you heard about it. We've talked about it. Um, who do you want to take away if you're Steve Spagnolo from the 49ers? Like Christian McCaffrey is the easy one, yeah, but he's the hardest one to take away because he can line up anywhere. Yeah, you know, are you with, uh, you know, facing the 49ers? Noah Aminahu? I, I think one of the underrated parts of the equation here that I think Chiefs fans, because we've had everybody picking the Chiefs so far, that Chiefs fans are maybe forgetting is you lose, you know, Derek Nottie and now Aminahu. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're just going to wear out your frontline guys. It's time for Felix on you, DK going to step up and play. He's going to have to play. But I think it is kind of interesting. And maybe, I'm not going to say it, it, it's better for Steve Spagnuolo, because it's not. It's always better to have all your personnel and be able to do anything. But there is an element of like, oh, how's he going to play now? Now, they got a little bit of a look with how yeah. they played the rest of the game without him in a minute who. Mm-hmm. But, you know, does he go NASCAR package? Does he... Does he leave one big on the field? Because, you know, Amenahu who worked into the interior pass rush part of the equation, and, and that's that's a big loss. There's no one to step in there. Mike Pinnell was already stepping in for Derek Nottie. And now when you take a who out as an interior pass rusher, are you asking Pinnell and Chris Jones to play even more snaps? The two biggest guys you have on the field for that defense? I mean, you, know, you could get to the third, fourth quarter, and those guys are gassed and getting shoved all over the field. So I do think the quantity of injuries and the quantity of snaps that need to be replaced on the defensive line is going to be an issue that C. Spagnuolo is going to have to wrestle with. Yeah, because uh, as much as
4: the defensive line is a rotational deal, and going into a game last week when they knew attrition was going to be a problem, Felix Yannudike Uzzam was not active. It's hard for me to believe that they're going to get any measure of good production from a guy who wasn't even considered part of the rotation in their most important game of the year. So it'd be nice to think he'll go he'll come in and show some flashes that he showed in, the, in, in some of the early games of the season. That game against the Bears, although you kind of wonder how how important that was, as bad as they were playing at that point. But I don't know what you can expect very much from him. So you're going to have to probably get it from the players who were already there and find a way to just... This is one of those games where I think Chiefs fans need to be very, very happy that they've got one of the best schemers of defensive football that the, the league has seen in recent years. Uh, they're going to really lean, I think, on Spagnuolo's Not only his ability to come up with the, a couple of schemes before, but know when to move things around. That was a lot of what he did against the Ravens, was that he didn't just do one thing really well. They moved guys around that Lamar Jackson never knew where the the pressure was coming from at any point, and they're going to have to do something very similar. If he can do that, I think M- Brock Purdy might throw you a couple, but going to be really really tough to do with a guy. We you saw what oh, many you could do. He had the one the one big the one yeah. really impactful defensive play they made in the first half was made by him, and now he's not playing.
0: Nine one three three eight ten eight ten the uh, phone number nine one three three eight ten eight ten. Let's go to the phones. Uh, we'll talk to Travis. You're in the program, Travis. What's going on?
2: Hey Pedro, how are you
0: doing today? Good, man. What's on your mind?
2: So um, I had a quick question, um, and then I want to make a comment. And my question is about the betting line. Um, what are the what are, what Vegas seeing in these teams that would put this in a position to where they're like, well, "We're going to make the dogs"? Because when I look at, it, of course, I'm kind of. I don't know. Getting average, their ass like kicked
0: that. by the Raiders and Broncos. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I guess, but uh, you could say the same thing about the Niners getting their act to the Ravens. Who we just eat.
0: no, you can't because the Ravens were They're the number really one good. seed. Yeah, they were not. You know, roadkill along the side of the road. No, you, you you can't say that. It's not anything alike.
2: So they don't. Look, so uh, and that's fine. I, I, like I said, I don't know about this stuff. Um, so. With mean being said, so they
1: don't look at the actual
0: team itself and how it's set up and how. It's how is that, why is looking at the entire season not looking at the actual team? You're the one not because looking at the actual team, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking at just their last game. You're looking at just their last three. Which Sam McDowell okay, made a very I'm good, good point that what. Look at how they played in the, in the playoffs. They're not the same team that they were in this during the season. They're playing completely different. Well, then, then take it up with Vegas. I mean, you asked me why they, they have the spread they have. Travis, I didn't make the spread. Fly out to Vegas and get pissed at those people.
2: Well, I'm not mad. I just was probably having a conversation.
0: I mean, well, yeah, but you don't like what I'm saying, and so you start talking over me and shouting, and it, it's irritating. I apologize. Okay, so it's not a conversation at that point. It's a pissing match. And okay. I'm not interested. Okay, fair enough. I mean, you know, so, listen, if you want an answer, then let me answer. But I know everybody here wants smoke blown up their ass because it's America, and that's what Americans want. But you want to know why. And and this is where, like, the problems can occur because the Chiefs are all 17 games. The point I was going to make is Sam McDowell made a very good point that the Ravens when he was in here on Tuesday. The Ravens looked at the Chiefs and prepared for the Chiefs that were the whole season. And to your point, Travis, which is a good one, about, well, they're not the same team. Well, they they are. That's 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 a gross exaggeration to make a point towards what you want to hear, that the Chiefs are by far the better team over San Francisco. And they're not. I can assure you, they're not by far a better team than San Francisco. They're better at quarterback. They're probably better at head coach, but Kyle Shanahan is a wonderful play designer and play caller himself. He is in the Super Bowl with two different pedestrian, thought to be pedestrian quarterbacks. That's something. Yeah. Um, and, and was the only coordinator to get Matt Ryan to a Super Bowl and had right. Tom Brady down by four touchdowns. The man Patrick Mahomes is zero and two against in the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan had on the ropes. Okay, so all those things matter. All those things count. All right, now, are the Chiefs playing their best football? Yes, they are. Are they playing flawless football? No. Creed Humphrey still rolls the ball back there. And I'm sorry, the ball on the ground without a Chiefs hand on it, on offense, is scary business. And it hasn't blown up on him because Patrick Mahomes is really athletic. It does waste plays. A couple of them a game are just throwaways because he doesn't get the ball in the quarterback's hands. And that, at some point, if he keeps doing it, is, is going to end up being a turnover. They're not The ball is odd-shaped. They're not all going to take that perfect bounce and skip to him. All right, so what are they looking at in putting this line? Christian McCaffrey's better. The best edge rusher is Nick Bosa. The better receivers play for the 49ers. Yes, throw in the tight end. The better Kelsey's better than Kittle, but th- their their overall receiving core is better. Brandon Ayuk and and Debo Samuel and George Kittle is better than Rashi Rice, Travis Kelsey, and MBS. Their linebacking core is top shelf. Fred Warner it may maybe the best linebacker in football. Their defense overall is not as good. The Chiefs' defense collectively is better. The Chiefs' secondary is better. But you ask where they get this? Well, because the Chiefs aren't better at every position and every guy. And if they were so good, why did they lose six games? And if the line
4: was so wrong, why is it still there? And why is the why is the money line inching its way toward San Francisco?
0: Why is the spread where it is? Because Las Vegas understands, odds makers understand Something that you don't, Travis, and that is that the Baltimore Ravens were 18 inches away from tying the game against the Chiefs. A game that this town is viewing as just a rout and ass-kicking of Baltimore that didn't allow them to do anything. They were one extraordinary play by LeJarrius Snead away from tying the football game. And the Chiefs offense did literally nothing in the second half. I mean, I would ask you, Travis, how can you not see why they're making them a two and a half point favorite? What are you missing? I think part of it is a lot of people are casual football fans and passionate Chiefs fans. You know, it's, it's in, in the Niners. What you've seen of the Niners is whenever you got done watching postgame of the Chiefs game, you took in a little bit of Niners and Lions, and that's what you know about the, the Niners. They're really good. They were the favorite to win this thing when it started. The Chiefs have already won twice as an underdog. Do I think the Chiefs, there's a reason to make them favorites? Yes. Do I think this thing, the spread is probably going to be negligible? I do. I I think they're fairly evenly matched. I think the Chiefs are playing their best football, largely by getting rid of the negative players, getting Kadarius Toney off the field, Sky Moore being off the field, and just concentrating on the guys who can actually catch the football, and even living with one that doesn't catch it well, MVS and saying, well, it's going to be 50-50, we'll take it. It's better than what we're getting elsewhere. At least he doesn't knock it up into the air for pick sixes because we can't run any route down the field with Canarius Toney. At least MBS can run a route down the field. And if he doesn't catch that, it probably falls harmlessly to the ground. When Canarius Toney doesn't catch it, there's 11 defenders behind him. And it goes for pick sixes. So, yes, they're playing better football. But the notion that they have just pummeled the Ravens and Bills is erroneous. It's wrong. And they're taking on more water. They they lost a really good football player in Charles Menou, and so it's Chris Jones who has looked worn out late in games because of the quantity of snaps that they're playing. You know, the good news is the 49ers offensive line isn't the best. Trent Williams is really good. The other four guys are yeah, and I think that's what's intriguing is how will Steve Spagnuolo attack that that old line. I think that's intriguing. Nine one three Uh 810 Let's talk to uh, Jazoo Jay. You're in the program, Jay. What's going on, buddy?
1: Hey, Seren. Uh, hear what you're saying, but I would say, too, let's remember this is also the 49ers team that was one uh, not too far away from uh, losing to the Packers, too, at home.
0: Oh no doubt the they they have been down the last two games but it also you know that th- th- that also speaks to in a half of football they've overcome deficits both times and Brock Purdy hasn't wet his pants I we think Brock Purdy's going to sit back there tapping the ball for half an hour when he sees some coverage I don't think so I, and I don't think Kyle Shanahan is going to come up with a goofy ass game plan that the Ravens did either so I mean I hear you listen. If the Chiefs roll, we'll say the 49ers defense got ex- got exposed, and you know Steve Spagnuolo is a genius. If it ends up being a game or the 49ers win, what are we going to say?
1: I think it depends how the game plays out, right? Like if, if the Chiefs lose a game where it's like 17 to 10, it, basically the Baltimore score, except it's the Chiefs are the on the opposite end of the 49ers. You know, I think you say, "Wow, the offense could never get it going." with the wide receiver core they had, or who knows, right? But if you, if you lose a game that it's like the, the Eagles' Super Bowl score last year, then I think that narrative's a little bit different, Surratt, uh, on that, maybe. But can I ask you something, though, because I'm squinting real hard. You know what this 49ers team kind of looks like a little bit if you squint hard enough with a different coach, mind you? Kind of looks like the Chargers a little bit. Got an okay quarterback – Loaded wide receivers, a lot of big names on defense. You know what I do if I'm Andy Reid? I whip out the, the playbook he had against the Chargers a couple times because this Niners team has all the same parts that the Chargers has, even quarterbacks to an extent. I, I'm not a big believer in Brock Purdy. I guess we'll see, and I'll probably, I might eat my words on that. But Purdy and Herbert kind of look like one and the same. And so do you see any similarities outside of the coaching just roster to roster, that the Chargers are kind of the 49ers, or vice versa, if you squint hard enough.
0: I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a fair comparison, but I think the coaching's an important part. Like just being like, oh, other than the coaching, well, that's important. <laughs> It's a big part of it. Major Who's a better
1: difference. quarterback than Seren? Would you uh, say
0: Patrick Mahomes Ross is but, uh, Patrick Mahomes no, 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 is a better I mean, is a better quarterback than than Russell Wilson and he didn't beat him. He's a better quarterback than I mean, it's a, listen, it's the most important factor on the football field, but it doesn't just end there or the Chiefs wouldn't have lost six times this year.
1: No, no. My my question was, is the better quarterback who would you rather have? Uh Herbert or Purdy?
0: With Kyle Shanahan?
1: I guess uh, Herbert,
0: sure. yeah, yeah, Herbert. Agree. Okay, okay. The, arm, the yeah. arm talent is better, but Brock Purdy's really good, and Brock Purdy is, you know, I think kind of the instrument. And thank you for the call, Jay. Kind of the instrument that you know Kyle Shanahan likes, right? He is his kind of quarterback, and so I think. You know he 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 executes a game plan, and that's better than some guy who goes off script all the time. You know, Aaron Rodgers audibleing out of everything. Kyle Shanahan comes up with very good game plans, and he does a very, really good job of executing those game plans. 913-3810-810, the phone number nine one three three eight ten eight ten. I'll take a break. You're in the program. All right, nine one three 913-3810-810, the phone number nine one three three eight ten eight ten. Taking your phone calls here. We had a Royals call. What happened to the Royals call? What'd you do? I scared him off. Crying out loud. Um, he wanted to know why Vegas'
5: uh, win total from the Royals wasn't yeah. higher, and you scared him <laughs> with the other call. <laughs> oh.
0: Travis is a good guy. I like Travis. He, he calls a lot. He's a good fan. You know, but come on. If you ask me the question, you'll you to the know, answer. If, I
5: mean, if you want to know why, it's they're an underdog. That's why they're an underdog. Yeah. I mean, you know.
4: You see those those aerial shots of the Strip and how massive all those hotels are?
0: You think paid for those? (laughs) I always say they don't build 4,000 hotel room. 4,000 room (laughs) hotels in Las Vegas because everybody's right.
5: Now, having said that, uh, a week from tomorrow when we're picking and if Mahomes is still an underdog, I got a feeling
4: on
0: the direction we're all going. Oh yeah. yeah, for sure.
4: We're not going to fall out of our, our, our no. chair at the line. Though.
0: But but think about that. Everybody that's going to wager anything of significance is aware that Patrick Mahomes is absolute money yeah. as a dog, it's, it's, and they're still listing him as a dog. Yeah, yeah absolutely. End of the line. It's also, I mean, at a
5: point and a half. You again, you you know more about this, but. I would be more confused when it came out like two and a half, and basically, I don't know that it, the public even have it, had a chance to get it at two and a half. It started at three and a half. But.
0: I, it, the public definitely didn't get a shot yeah, at three and no, a half. It was, it was gone within an hour. If it's well, sitting at, big, they, they, yeah, a big. There's a handful it. of guys that usually yeah. get a shot at first, and then they adjust based yeah. on where they all go.
5: It, it, it's sitting at. One and a half. It's not four and a half. And and the Chiefs are hovering anywhere from minus money to plus one ten on the money line. So well, clearly they think it's an even deal.
0: Yeah that that's the that's the more important part because it's when you get that close it's almost whoever it's going to win is going to cover. Right. So that's the bigger mm-hmm. deal that that's going on is watch that money line move and listen it was and and I I, I still think that if you ask the odds makers. And, and by the way, they were pounded with Baltimore. We, we read the one, the circus sportsbook director tweeted out, we're begging for Chiefs bets. If the Baltimore Ravens win, we're turning the lights out. Everybody is on Baltimore. Right? And so, like, here in this town, yes, lots of people are saying Kansas City. Outside of this town, everybody was on Baltimore. And so that's part of it. They, they, they try to even up the spread. Now, the line is where it is. It's much lower, and I think they would like to have it higher based upon what the analytical outcomes will tell you it's going to be. But they know that they're going to get hit with a lot of Chiefs bets, and the Super Bowl is the only game in town, so all the little bets add up. Mm-hmm. Sam, our Royals
5: caller is back. He had something to do at work, what, so okay. he's back. I right. thought
4: the line would be three and a half. Um, I, I my first thought was I would be about about three and a half.
0: I thought I thought. Maybe I thought it would be, two be interesting. Two and a half, three, three and a half is where I yeah. thought it would be. And I figured, well, maybe they'll start at three, see where it goes. Yeah. That's what I thought. Uh, Sam, I know we left you holding uh, in the last segment. Go for it, buddy. You're in the program. What's no, up?
3: That's fine. Love the show. Love the Chiefs. I'm a baseball guy at heart, though. Okay. So so two questions for you. So you heard uh, our J.J.
0: Piccolo interview yesterday. And if not, you're going to go to the podcast at 810WHB.com wh- and check it out. I, it was in the 2 o'clock hour yesterday
3: i go to your podcasts frequently good man so uh first um i'm one of the ones that think uh that uh, whit merrifield got mistreated during his time here in kansas city from 2015 on uh the COVID hoax aside where do you think he'll end up this year Secondly, I am yearning for JD Martinez to wear a Royals shirt because he would be. A, we would have a monster lineup one through seven with our current guys if JD came in. Do you think he would sign with the Royals for the same money he might get from the Giants or the Diamondbacks? Oh God! Thanks a lot.
0: Yeah, no, you bet, Sam. And I appreciate the call. No. <laughs> I think you pay a tax uh, if bets. you're the Royals. And I think you saw that with the Michael Walker, and particularly the mm-hmm. Seth Lugo deal. I don't think anybody in baseball was going to give him three years but the Royals. Didn't Frazier even get a player option? Uh, it's a mutual option. Is but. it mutual? Okay. So, you know, but now I think as you add talent, the other guys get less of a loser's tax. Right? The first guy to sign, Lugo, yeah. was the big one. And and Will Smith, you know, wanted to sign here. Um and and once you get those guys in place and it gets easier like, okay, they're doing a little something here. Yeah. Here we go. And you can sell Vinny Pascatino being back and you know that that's the biggest addition they've got. If, if Vinnie Pascatino's the player they think he can be, you've got a you know, hopefully a three forty to three fifty on base guy with thirty home run power. That's a huge addition to this team. Yeah. And, and and the tax you're talking about, the easy to understand for me
4: would be everyone listening has a job and everyone knows another company that you could work for doing the same job. Imagine making what you're making, but going to working for a place you know is worse than yours. Would you do it? Of course you wouldn't. No. You work at the place that has the better situation. And if you want to work for that crap company, you'd want about five dollars or $6,000 more a year.
0: And And I think the Royals' offensive shopping is done. I mean, J.J. Piccolo, when we talked to him a month yeah. or so ago, said we'd like to find a left-handed bat. That's still on our list. And, you know, we could always use bullpen help. You know, I think they've got a competitive situation. That's what he said yesterday mm-hmm. uh, in the bullpen. And that they could always use a, full, a few more bullets back there. But I think from there, you know, and he's pretty much said their 13-man offensive roster. He's been very blunt about We're 13 and 13. Like, is the max pitchers you can carry. We're going to carry 13. And so their 13-man position, Uh, list, and he was adamant that no, Michael Massey's the everyday second baseman. Frazier's the guy that will move around and he can play outfield as well. So, But now if Massey goes down or Massey... I don't know that Massey's going to get a month to bat sub-100 like he did for a month last Mm -hmm. year. I think if that's the case, he'll go down and Frazier will play every day until he gets it figured out. Down there, but they've added to it. And you know, we had a conversation on our Kaufman Corner podcast, which wherever you get your podcast, you can hear that. Randy Giselerly and I, and we had Jeff Passan on, and and we had Joe Sheehan on last week from the Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter, and both of them were fairly pessimistic. Joe much more pessimistic than Jeff, but Jeff's like, well, they're not going to win the World Series. I don't think they're going to be in the playoffs. You know, the division does, you know, give itself a chance to get in there, but like these players aren't the answer I think the guy I don't know that anyone they signed other than Lugo would be on this roster when this team is playing like in an ALCS. Right? Everybody else is going to come and go. Yeah. So your your playoff Royals are you know, Bobby Wood Jr., elsewhere. Vinny Pascantino, they're the homegrown guys. But the guys they're adding are probably not going to be a part of the equation. But that being said, when you go out and shop on the free agent market and you mention JD Martinez if you can make this team into a seventy-eight and eighty-four team, then you don't have to pay the kind of tax you had to pay for Michael Walker. Then you'd have to pay a tax for, um, and I always get—I uh, always want to Zimmerman, right? Jordan Zimmerman. I was—I get confused, is Zimmerman or Montgomery? Anyway, one of the better Jordan, better pitchers I that's think out it's there, Montgomery, isn't it? I think it's yeah, Zimmerman. This is Montgomery from? Okay, uh, you know, then you can pay a tax for the best of the best, but if you come in for Michael Walker, you get him at market value, because you've proven that you're a competitive team. So just making the ball club better will make it easier to sign players in the future. So I think that's part of the equation. And it gives you bullets to trade, which to this point, J.J. Piccolo has looked pretty good uh, on the trading market. Nine one three three eight ten eight ten nine one three three eight ten eight ten 810 via phone number. Uh, we go next to Jeff. You're in the program. Jeff, what's going on, buddy?
6: Oh, no, much. Uh, so I had two things if I could get to him, possibly. Sure. First, first one is you're right, absolutely right about Charles Money. He that hurts bad. And I'm a geek like you. I thought about this six weeks ago. When, you know, like the second game he came back from suspension, I knew he was a player. And I already had counted, if we got to Frisco in the Super Bowl, I'd already counted on one to two big plays from him, either a pass. Knocked down on third down, a sack, a fumble caused. I knew, you know, they drafted him and then did not re-sign him. He would be, he would be a vixen in that game. And the second thing I was is I would, I would do the same exact thing we did to Lamar to this kid. And yes, he's a quarterback and he's a top ten quarterback right now. He's a good kid, but. I I would force him to beat you just like they did Lamar.
0: Well, and I think you you're on to something there and and Jeff, thank you for the call. And I, and I think you're right. Aminu is a big loss. He had what did he play this he's he missed the first six, so he played mm-hmm. twelve games. Had eight. you know, or We would have played in eleven regular season games and three postseason games. So fourteen games. Is that right? Uh, you I think that that's right? Right. Yeah, I, I think make he might have missed a game in there somewhere too, though. I, I didn't think he played he that many sit games.
5: The, did he sit the game where they, their seed was decided? Yeah, uh, yeah, he sat that one. I've he seen probably seen not. Eleven games.
0: Really, eleven games to with the playoffs. Uh, no, just, just regular, regular season. season. So well, that'd be fourteen. 14 yeah, that'd be fourteen. Um, but he had eight sacks and I think three forced fumbles. And batted down some passes. I have to look at his passes defense. I don't know. I don't remember that off the top of my head, but I think that is going to be a big loss. And I think you're right. You know, Aaron Glenn strikes me a little bit of the, well, if we're not stopping him, we'll just blitz more. And Steve Spagnuolo is blitzing all the time. He'll just blitz different. And Steve Spagnuolo's got a lot more experience. If they, if Kyle Shanahan comes out with something he hasn't seen, he'll adjust quicker. And we've seen him do that all year. So I, I you know, the good news is they've got an excellent defensive backfield and they should be able to hang with some guys, even these guys. And who knows how healthy Debo Samuel is and you know, with his shoulder, one mm-hmm. one hit and maybe he's out. Christian McCaffrey, I mean, it was on it's been on the injury report. And I mean, he, he landed seems... on his head in, in in that last game. So listen, I, I don't think the Chiefs gotta run and hide. Right, or come up with some miracle uh, in this game. But Brock Purdy's pretty good. And he's gonna finish, you know, you said top ten quarterback. He's gonna finish top five, maybe second or third in the MVP voting this year. Yeah. So he's played tremendously. Nine one three three eight ten eight ten, let's talk to Kyle. You're in the program, Kyle, what's going on?
3: Hey Saran, thank you for taking my call. Um I got a quick question for you. Uh, leading up to the Super Bowl, would you put... Uh, I know we talked about this briefly, but do, would you put Brock Purdy as a elite quarterback yet, or would you give him more time? And I'll listen off the air. Okay, I
0: think it's a great question. I think if he wins this game, we would put him elite, right? This is probably the tipping point for now. I, I, I have a lot more respect for Brock Purdy after watching him come from behind twice in playoff games, albeit both at home. And this game won't be at home. But I have a lot more respect... Uh, for him, watching him face adversity and answer the call. So he's on the cusp. You know, I would have said he's probably in a third tier you know, before, but I think you know, if we, if we say Mahomes is his own tier and then say, okay, the top tier is Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Lamar Jackson, I think you could comfortably put him in the next one and say he's certainly knocking on the door of being, maybe you're ready to drop Lamar Jackson because of his performance and bump Brock Purdy up. Certainly if he plays well against the Chiefs, we'll be talking about him in that level.
5: You said something during our meeting, our show meeting Monday, uh, and it, I thought it, it rung very, very true. If, if Brock Purdy was a first-round pick, people are already talking about that. Yes, he's already there. Those same numbers with the first-round pick, he's yeah. there, no question.
0: Right now, he's still trying to prove, uh, why Why was he Mr. Irrelevant? Why did he go in the seventh round? If he had that first-round pick... Pedigree, he would be fulfilling the expectations that were already there. Yeah. He came in with no expectations, so we build the expectations as he is building his resume. Yep. So it is a, a different view that we have of him. Nine one three three eight ten eight ten. Scott, you're in the program. What's going on, Scott?
2: Hey, Theron. Uh, first things first, you are infinitely more knowledgeable about the betting market than I. I'm very much a novice. And second point, thank you. Uh, line setters for making the Chiefs an underdog. Not that <laughs> not that Patrick not that Patrick Mahomes needs extra motivation. I mean he's a competitive prick, as uh, Eric the Enemy would say. But just you know whether whether Jordan got poisoned by the pizza or not, that's the legend that lives on, and you know it, it's it's all part of the thing. So I'm very happy the Chiefs are underdogs. I just you know it, it, it really doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense to me i think Kyle Shanahan is a great coach but he's not as good as Andy Reid i think Brock Purdy is a fine quarterback but he's not as good as Patrick Mahomes so, i mean I, and i'm with he, you let me let
0: me ask you and i think all those are fair statements but let me ask you why did they lose 6 games and why does that now not matter
2: because they've played for 6 straight years they've played 3 extra games i mean Kelsey said it himself on the podcast it's hard to get up the Broncos and the Raiders, who you've absolutely mushroom stamped for the last eight years, uh, sometimes you know it, it's hard to get up for those games in October and November, but when you come playoff time, I mean, one second half notwithstanding, one second half performance against the Bengals, I mean, the Chiefs have been nailed every single playoff.
0: Yeah. Game. They, 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 know, they, they, they did get, ham- the they, 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 yeah, but, they they did get hammered know. by the Bucks and. You know, and they were completely mismatched,
2: uh, offensive line versus the defensive line and the receivers did their best. Uh, Kadarius Tony impressed in that game as well, which is something we don't talk about. Yeah, but uh, no.
0: I, I listen. I hear you, and I think that's why the, the number is what it is, right? If you put their two regular season records together, and really, if you go back and look at the 49ers, like we never look at that. The, all their losses came pretty much in one stretch where they didn't have Trent Williams, they didn't have Debo Samuel. Like they were dealing with their own injuries. I'm going to let you go, Scott, because I'm running out of time here. But it's an excellent point. But if you go back and look, look at all the guys. We're out for the Niners when they lost. Now, I I think the one that really will resonate with Chiefs fans is, yeah, but the Baltimore Ravens kicked their ass and we just beat the Ravens. So, therefore, the transit of property says, we're way better than the 49ers. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. They're evenly matched. All right, who is the Super Bowl career leader in fumble
4: recoveries? Brought to you by GoodSense.